In 2019, Alabama had a policy holding that only their approved Christian chaplain was permitted to enter the execution chamber during an inmate's execution, regardless of that inmate's religious beliefs. When Dominique Ray, a Muslim man, requested his imam be present instead, Alabama refused, eventually changing their policy to exclude all clergy in the execution chamber. When the Supreme Court was asked to intervene, the application for stay was denied, with only the court's four liberal justices voting for Ray. About a month later, a Buddhist inmate asked the court to intervene in Texas when they wouldn't allow his spiritual advisor into the execution chamber, and the court intervened to allow it, with Justices Kavanaugh and Roberts' added vote. Somehow, these two conservative justices had a change of heart in this case. But when a third almost identical case from Alabama appeared before the court in 2021, Kavanaugh and Roberts once again had another change of heart back in the opposite direction, dissenting. In that case, Willie Smith, a Christian man, asked the court to intervene after Alabama denied his request for a Christian pastor to enter the execution chamber with him. The court intervened to allow it. This time, two conservatives on the court voted with the liberals to allow it, the newly seated Justice Barrett and one mystery justice that could have only been Justice Alito or Justice Gorsuch since Kavanaugh, Roberts, and Thomas dissented in that case. These three cases had nearly identical circumstances. What would have made Kavanaugh and Roberts vote so differently for the one man, the Buddhist man, Patrick Murphy? After all, Kavanaugh and Roberts are both Christians who have been accused in the past of being unjustly preferential to the freedom of Christians' First Amendment rights over other religions. But Smith, the third prisoner, was the only Christian out of the three. Other than the prisoners' religions and the states that they were from, the facts of the three cases were nearly identical, save for one other major factor. Patrick Murphy, the Buddhist inmate, was white. Because the court did not issue an opinion in Patrick Murphy's case, the only two opinions I can read for you today are those of the two black inmates whom Justices Kavanaugh, Roberts, Thomas, and one other conservative justice voted against both times, Dunn v. Ray from 2019 and Dunn v. Smith from 2021. These two opinions are very brief, so I'll be reading them both this episode. And now, Dunn v. Ray, on application to vacate stay, decided February 7th, 2019. The application to vacate the stay of execution of sentence of death entered by the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit on February 6, 
2019, presented to Justice Thomas, and by him referred to the court, is granted. On November 6, 2018, the state scheduled Dominique Ray's execution date for February 7, 2019. Because Ray waited until January 28, 2019 to seek relief, we grant the stay's application to vacate the stay entered by the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Justice Kagan, with whom Justice Ginsburg, Justice Breyer, and Justice Sotomayor join, dissenting from grant of application to vacate stay. Holman Correctional Facility, the Alabama prison where Dominique Gray will be executed tonight, regularly allows a Christian chaplain to be present in the execution chamber. But Ray is Muslim, and the prison refused his request to have an imam attend him in the last moments of his life. Yesterday, the 11th Circuit concluded that there was a substantial likelihood that the prison's policy violates the First Amendment's Establishment Clause and stayed Ray's execution so it could consider his claim on its merits. Today, this court reverses that decision as an abuse of discretion and permits Mr. Ray's execution to go forward. Given the gravity of the issue presented here, I think that decision profoundly wrong. The clearest command of the Establishment Clause this court has held is that one religious denomination cannot be officially preferred over another. But the state's policy does just that. Under that policy, a Christian prisoner may have a minister of his own faith accompany him into the execution chamber to say his last rites. But if an inmate practices a different religion, whether Islam, Judaism, or any other, he may not die with a minister of his own faith by his side. That treatment goes against the Establishment Clause's core principle of denominational neutrality. To justify such religious discrimination, the state must show that its policy is narrowly tailored to a compelling interest. I have no doubt that prison security is an interest of that kind. But the state has offered no evidence to show that its wholesale prohibition on outside spiritual advisors is necessary to achieve that goal. Why couldn't Ray's imam receive whatever training in execution protocol the Christian chaplain received? The state has no answer. Why wouldn't it be sufficient for the imam to pledge, under penalty of contempt, that he will not interfere with the state's ability to perform the execution? The state doesn't say. The only evidence the state has offered is a conclusory affidavit stating that its policy is the least restricted means of furthering its interest in safety and security. That is not enough to support a denominational preference. I also see no reason to reject the 11th Circuit's finding that Ray brought his claim in a timely manner. 
The warden denied Ray's request to have his imam by his side on January 23, 2019. And Ray filed his complaint five days later on January 28th. The state contends that Ray should have known to bring his claim earlier, when his execution date was set on November 6th. But the relevant statute would not have placed Ray on notice that the prison would deny his request. To the contrary, that statute provides that both the chaplain of the prison and the inmate's spiritual advisor of choice may be present at an execution. It makes no distinction between persons who may be present within the execution chamber and those who may enter only the viewing room. And the prison refused to give Ray a copy of its own practices and procedures, which would have made that distinction clear. So there is no reason Ray should have known, prior to January 23rd, that his imam would be granted less access than the Christian chaplain to the execution chamber. This court is ordinarily reluctant to interfere with the substantial discretion courts of appeals have to issue stays when needed. Here, Ray has put forward a powerful claim that his religious rights will be violated at the moment the state puts him to death. The 11th Circuit wanted to hear that claim in full. Instead, this court short-circuits that ordinary process and itself rejects the claim with little briefing and no argument, just so the state can meet its preferred execution date. I respectfully dissent. And now, Dunn v. Smith on application to vacate injunction, February 11, 2021. The application to vacate the injunction presented to Justice Thomas and by him referred to the court is denied. Justice Thomas would grant the application. Justice Kagan, with whom Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, and Justice Barrett join concurring in denial of application to vacate injunction. Willie Smith is sentenced to death, and his last wish is to have a pastor with him as he dies. The Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, applying a statute designed to protect prisoners' religious rights, required Alabama to honor that request. I concur in the court's decision to leave that order in place, and I write to explain why. Alabama has not carried its burden of showing that the exclusion of all clergy members from the execution chamber is necessary to ensure prison security. So the state cannot now execute Smith without his pastor present to ease what Smith calls the transition between the worlds of the living and the dead. The governing law sets a high bar for Alabama to clear. The Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, RLUIPA, provides expansive protection for prisoners' religious liberty. 
Under that statute, a prison may not impose a substantial burden on a prisoner's religious exercise, unless doing so satisfies our strict scrutiny test. The challenged policy must be the least restrictive means of furthering a compelling governmental interest. That standard, we have often explained, is exceptionally demanding. If any less restrictive means is available for the government to achieve its goals, then the government must use it. Alabama's policy substantially burdens Smith's exercise of religion. The state bars all clergy members from the execution chamber, leaving inmates to die without spiritual attendance. But Smith understands his minister's presence as integral to his faith and essential to his spiritual search for redemption. His pastor, Smith says, will not only relieve his struggle as he passes, but also help him properly express to God his repentance. The sincerity of those religious beliefs is not in doubt. Alabama acknowledges that Smith's request is based on a religious belief and not some other motivation. So Alabama's policy must withstand strict scrutiny. And it cannot. Prison security is, of course, a compelling state interest. But past practice in Alabama and elsewhere shows that a prison may ensure security without barring all clergy members from the execution chamber. Until two years ago, Alabama required the presence of a prison chaplain at an inmate's side. It gave up the practice only when this court barred states from providing spiritual advisors of just one faith. Still more relevant, other jurisdictions have allowed clergy members with no connection to the government to attend an inmate's execution. In the last year, the federal government has conducted more than 10 executions, attended by the prisoner's clergy of choice. Exactly what Smith requests. And some states have chosen to follow the same practice. Nowhere, as far as I can tell, has the presence of a clergy member, whether state-appointed or independent, disturbed an execution. That record suggests that Alabama could satisfy its security concerns through a means less restrictive than its current prohibition. The state's arguments to the contrary are unpersuasive. Alabama mainly asserts the need to close the execution chamber to all but those whom the warden has found trustworthy. But that does not justify the state's categorical bar. Alabama can take any number of measures to ensure that a clergy member will act responsibly during an execution. The state can do a background check on the minister. It can interview him and his associates. It can seek a penalty-backed pledge that he will obey all rules. What the state cannot do, consistent with strict scrutiny, is simply presume that every clergy member will be untrustworthy 
or otherwise said that only the harshest restriction can work. Relatedly, Alabama identifies disturbances that have arisen around executions in the past, but its two examples concern close family members of inmates. The state cannot jump from those dissimilar incidents to a conclusion that even well-vetted clergy members risk disrupting an execution. Again, the state fails to recognize that RLUIPA places a heightened duty on prison officials to demonstrate not just assume that a plausible, less restrictive alternative would be ineffective when their preferred approach burdens religion. For these reasons, the 11th Circuit was right to bar Alabama from executing Smith without his pastor by his side. The law guarantees Smith the right to practice his faith, free from unnecessary interference, including at the moment the state puts him to death. We've come to the end of these opinions. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.